1: Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Jess Cording. She's the author of the new book, The Little Book of Game Changers, 50 Healthy Habits for Managing Stress and Anxiety. So you guessed it, we're talking exactly about those things, managing stress and anxiety. And we're going to talk about why you should make time to worry. I know, right? sounds completely counterintuitive. We're going to talk about caffeine, and we're going to talk a little bit about how to have a plan for when you are lonely. And nobody seems to be talking about that. So I thought this is a really unique conversation to have. And I was really glad to do that with Jess. So I'm just going to get out of the way and say, enjoy this conversation with Jess Cording. Well, this week it is my privilege to welcome to the show Jess Cording. Welcome to the show, Jess. Yep.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Uh, so health is probably one of the most important. Topics <laughs> and people don't often think of health as something that is involved with productivity. And obviously since the show is called beyond the to-do list, we try to tackle productivity outside of the normal, just, Oh, time management or which planner are you using? And the other normal questions, you know, you'd get on an average yeah. productivity podcast. We try to go beyond that. How do you see health tying into productivity?
2: Oh, it's all it's all connected. You know, when we feel well, we're able to work better. I'm actually really excited that more uh, more employers, more companies are embracing that and that, you know, there's more support for freelancers who need to, you know, have the resources to to take care of themselves so they can be more productive. I mean, I saw this so much in my work in corporate wellness. And I see it with my clients now all the time as well, that when you're not fueling yourself properly with the, you know, foods that provide the nutrients that you need and in a balance that keeps you energized and satisfied. And, you know, if you're not moving your body in a way that helps you feel um, like you're helping with your stress levels and you're you know improving like blood flow. you know those are all things that are going to have an effect on how productive you're able to be at work and how well you'll be able to focus and you know, not to mention the fact that if you know you're not in good physical health, you know if if your immune systems are not in good working order. I mean, if you are taking a lot of sick days because you're sick and can't work, that's also going to affect your productivity.
1: that is one of the things that you know I've tried to. For the, for the bulk of time in the last, you know, few years really found is the thing that like knocks me out the most is like when I'm sick because I've not had any kind of, you know, routine that is trying to get, I mean, we all get sick, even if we're, you know, super on top of things, but it's, it's how quickly you bounce back from it, right? Yep. Yeah.
2: Well, I um I had a wake up call when I was, I guess, I don't know, 28, 29, where, you know, I was juggling seven different income streams. And, you know, I was working at the hospital. I was working in corporate wellness. I was writing. I was seeing private clients. I was doing all these different things. And, um, then I got I got hit with laryngitis really bad uh, and I could barely talk for like it was about four weeks. But, you know, after the first week, I you know, because I had all these different jobs that I was piecemealing together, you know, I didn't have sick days. So it was the kind of thing, if I didn't work, I didn't get paid. And that was a really big, big wake up call to me. That was like, all right, we need to take a step back, figure out what's working, what's not working, because clearly something is not working. And um, but I remember like I was working in an ALS clinic at the time. And I remember like trying to communicate with my patients when I had just this raspy voice and I was just writing things down and we were trying to communicate. And it was it was challenging, but a good learning experience.
1: Also, one of the cool things that uh, for this time of year, for you to be coming out with this new book, the little book of Game Changers, 50 Healthy Habits for Managing Stress and Anxiety, I couldn't help but think, man, coming out, you know, everybody comes out with their new book in January because everybody wants to change their whole life in January. But I like that you and I are recording this in February where we're past that bubble of maybe unrealistic Expectations and goal setting. And now we're into the the more real time of year.
2: Yeah, that is, you hit the nail on the head. Like February is when it gets real. You know, everybody's sort of come down off that new year, new you high, and they have this chance to either throw it all away or to take a peek at, okay, what's going well and what do I need to start over with? They're, you know, reassess their goals and get a sense of how they should. proceed going forward. And I I've, what I see happen a lot in my work is people set really crazy ambitious goals at the beginning of the year. And I've been guilty of this too. But I, there is so much power in small changes and in taking small steps that you can build on. And that's uh, one thing that I really, you know, I, I'm glad that we're talking about this in February, because this is a time of year when especially if you're feeling a little bit, um, you know, down on yourself because maybe that lofty goal, you already feel off track with it. This is a great time to identify one or two small changes you can take and start to move forward.
1: Well, and, and I even got to ask, like, how would you suggest, you know, if somebody's thinking in 2020, I want to change from how I was health-wise in 2019. But I, I almost feel like, you know, again, with the new year, new you, bubble that happens in you know January I think maybe that's a time where you say okay let me try out how doing this new I don't know routine of uh you know going to the gym or uh what I do at the gym changing that up or you know insert here the change playing around like actually trying it and experiencing okay what were the boundaries that I came up against as I tried to do that so that then you can make a plan to how to overcome those Uh, And not feel like uh, it's a New Year's resolution where you started it in January and because you came up against resistance and then you were like, this is too hard. I quit. Instead, treat it as kind of an experiment uh, phase so that you can actually come out the other end and tweak it and then do it.
2: I'm a big fan of using the word experiment. I feel like it takes the pressure off. And it also invites you to be curious. Whereas I've seen when we set um, these these goals and we set lots and rules, uh, lots of rules around these goals to help us, you know, make progress towards them. Some for some people that can set them up to be in a more self-critical mindset, whereas we're if we're experimenting with something like, you know, we can be more curious about what works and what doesn't work, you know, for so for somebody who wants to, you know, eat a more plant based diet, that doesn't mean that you have to do um, like a green juice cleanse for an entire month. Right. You know, you can start by just, you know, maybe adding some extra vegetables to your plate and doing slightly smaller portions of meat if you want or incorporating, you know, one more vegetarian meal per week. It does not have to be, you know, all or nothing. You can take tiny little steps and assess along the way.
1: Yeah, well, and, and I think this fits right in with how you know you call yourself the no drama dietitian it's it, a lot of people cause that drama by thinking they have to do an all or nothing change
2: oh absolutely sometimes new clients they're so shocked when i'm like no if, if chocolate's a non-negotiable you you can eat chocolate we can make this work
1: wow see that's unheard of to me in terms of you know somebody talking about health
2: yeah well that's that's what's really interesting you know when we are able to really tune into what helps us feel like we're thriving and what our priorities are that really helps us find a unique balance that works for our needs on our terms you know and i think for for some people that's going to be different than others you know we all have those things that are hard to be moderate with we all have those things that we can take them or leave them a lot of what i see people struggle with is trying to follow a plan that's you know arbitrary or it's not designed with them in mind you know, we, we go on social media and we see, you know, this celebrity did this diet and got these results. But, you know, you're we're all different. We all have different needs, different types of foods that make us feel great, different types of types of exercise that make us feel great. And we're also dealing with different things in our personal and professional lives that we have to take into account and make plans for.
1: Yeah, I love the the individualized, you know, approach that there is no one size fits all or no, you know, single silver bullet that's going to work for everybody. But, you know, trying out these different things uh works great. It's why I really like that your book, it's a little book, but 50 Healthy Habits is like a lot of different healthy habits.
2: Well, you know, you could look at it this way, you know, you could even just implement one tiny thing, you know, not even one every week. And over the course of the year, you'd have implemented 50 different healthy habits. Not that all of the habits in the book are necessarily the perfect fit for every single person, but no, you could take an approach like that.
1: I also like that you've, you've broken up the book into three categories, I guess, is the best way to put it, where you've got some of them that are under mind, some that are under body and some that are under spirit. And 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 again, as I was going through the book and even trying to figure out pick some ones that that seem interesting to you. But then I said, no, you know what? I'm going to go for the shocking ones, the ones that I don't think anybody's either thinking about or think are maybe contradictory uh, in in some way. So I'd love to throw one out from each of these categories to you so we can talk about each one of those. Awesome. So the first one is in is under the mind category and it's called set aside daily worry time and i'm like wait a second so we're supposed to set aside you know the the title of that that section it's like wait so are you saying we're supposed to set aside a time every day to actually worry because i thought we weren't supposed to worry
2: right i i I mean, I grew up, you know, uh, under the, the mode of like, you should make everything look easy and just don't worry. Just like, just move on. Just keep, keep going. Like I, as a, you know, and I do talk about my mother, um, in the book and growing up in an environment where, um, my mother is one of the most wonderful people in the world, but I had some really non-traditional influences in terms of like, um, you know, she, she's a psychotherapist, but she started doing hypnotherapy. So I grew up exposed to all different kinds of mind, body practices and meditation and, a lot of what's in the book, you know, is things that have been on my radar since I was, you know, I grew up around that stuff. But she um, used to drive me crazy as a teenager when she would say, just let it go. And right. you know, we don't have to let everything go. Go, you know, I think that we can learn a lot from what our worries might be telling us, um, and I do explain that in the book. There's a difference between, um, you know, it's normal to have concerns; that's completely valid. Um, but when worrying becomes intrusive and uh, disrupts our daily functioning, um, that can that can be really hard to deal with. And I've, you know, I'm wired. I'm a, I'm just wired to be an anxious person. It's just, you know. Um, I think why I'm so interested in all the research around this stuff, because, you know, it came from a need to to manage my own stress and anxiety as um, you know, over the years and being able to help other people with that. But with the worry time you know, because it does have that power to be so disruptive, you know, it doesn't mean that we have to turn off worry. Because again, like worry can alert us to things that might need to be in our radar and make sure that we take care of like, for example, you know, if you have a family history of certain types of cancer that there are known lifestyle factors for, you know, rather than just denying it, you know, what you... And what you could do is, you know, it's normal to worry like, okay, well, I don't want to get that form of cancer. And here's a couple things that I can do in my day-to-day life to help help with that. But I'm getting a little bit off track. But what I would the reason that setting aside time to worry can be so effective and it does take practice. But you know, when you feel that worry come up in your mind. Rather than feeling like you have to unpack that whole thought right there and come up with a solution and, you know, let it derail you, whatever you're trying to do in the moment, knowing that, you know, you can take some time later in the day, whether you want to like write yourself a little note to come back to that thing, like a physical note or just mentally note it, um, knowing that you have that space in your day to just let your mind go crazy with the worries and get it. You know, I like to write down the things that are worrying me because that helps them get out of my head. Um, It can be really helpful in freeing up brain power during the rest of your day.
1: Really it's employing one of those uh, deferring uh, type skills that we talk about in, in productivity all the time, which is, you know, I don't have time for this right now because it's not on the schedule, but I have time for it later. So, Oh, Oh, OK, well, then if you have time for it later, I won't bug you about it now. Uh, your mind then says.
2: <laughs> exactly. It takes a while. to It takes practice, you know, yeah. like it's not like overnight you're going to master this, but it can be so, so powerful. Just again, just quiet in those thoughts and, you know, you can deal with them later.
1: Yeah, it's it's having that time block already set in place to basically check in on yourself and say okay now what was it that i was worrying about uh earlier today that i wrote down and said uh ooh i'll i'll talk to myself about that or you know self assess on that uh when the time is right later today or if it's or, or my next worry time is tomorrow then tomorrow exactly so uh, it's 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 really cool how you know again uh making a time for you know, setting aside a daily worry time seems like it's like, wait, why would I do that? But then once you start to dig into it, uh, it's like, oh, this is genius. This is something, you know, that we could all stand to use for a little bit more self-awareness and uh, freeing up our mental energy.
2: Yeah, it's real. That freedom is is gold. Like, that's really what a lot of the stuff that I focus on in my writing and with my clients. It's really about helping people feel a sense of freedom and ease.
1: I love my dogs like I love my children. I care about them, well, one more than the other, but we won't get into that. But I am committed to giving them both the best. And if you feel that way too, like your dog is a member of the family, then you've got to serve them top quality food that they deserve serve them Nom nom-nom. Nom. Nom Nom's made with 100% premium ingredients. That means zero fillers or funky stuff. My dogs love these great tasting meals and their nutritional needs are different than ours. That's why Nom Nom's nutrient-packed recipes are developed by board-certified veterinary nutritionists, freshly made and shipped free to your door. Right now, you can get a 50% no-risk two-week trial at trinom.com slash beyond. Say goodbye to boring dog food. Your dog deserves a real reason to run to their bowl every single meal, every single day. And all dogs are individuals, so they deserve to be served like it. Nom Nom delivers freshly made dog food personalized to your dog's preferences and unique caloric needs. And again, 100% premium ingredients, no funky stuff. Go right now for 50% off your no-risk two-week trial at Trinom.com slash beyond. That's Trinom.com slash beyond for 50% off. Trinom.com slash beyond. When it comes to hiring, don't search for great talent. Match with them, thanks to Indeed. With Indeed, you can ditch that busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Indeed leverages over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, making their matching engine your go-to because it's constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use it, the better it gets. I used to be involved giving my input into the hiring process for a few key roles that were connected to mine. And man, do I wish we had Indeed back then, because we could have gotten much higher quality hires using Indeed. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more and with this one I kind of went for the one that I think everybody deals with which is finding your sweet spot with caffeine. Uh, everybody, you know, it, they either love coffee or they've got their other drug of choice for for receiving their caffeine intake if they use it at all. Um I'm curious what your thoughts are on this.
2: Yeah, caffeine is it's it's fascinating because it's you know, a lot of us it functions not just as a source of, you know, that um that pick me up that physical caffeine boost um it's also in many ways it can be a social connector you know we're it's it's almost like um how a cigarette break used to be like mm-hmm. the way to to get a break and now that like, the coffee break is um a way that's like a socially acceptable way to be like oh like i'm just going to go get a coffee take a coffee break or you know you meet people for coffee um and it's interesting in our in our food culture right now coffee you know, it, it there's a lot of um confusion around it. And there are some camps that say coffee is terrible, like all of it, like it's going to jack your cortisol and mess with your energy and your mood. And then there's people who are like, no, coffee is a superfood. And, you know, I think that the exact answer of how coffee, like what space it occupies in your life really depends on the individual. You know, there are some people that, um, can physically handle a lot more caffeine than others. Um, there are, there are some people that even a tiny bit is going to mess with their sleep and make them really anxious. Um, and I do talk a little bit about this in the, in the book where, you know, there's a, there's obviously several different types of caffeine, you know, coffee and tea and soda are some of the main ones. Um, chocolate is a teeny, teeny tiny bit of caffeine in there. And of course, then you have all your different energy drinks and more and more we're seeing, um, you know, energy or like natural health drinks with things like plant derived caffeine. And I always think it's funny when they say plant derived caffeine, because where else would they be getting it from? But
1: (laughs) right. Coffee um, beans are still grown on plants. So, yeah. (laughs) So
2: I, I don't know. There's, you know, there are certain products where they'll be marketed as like a, a healthy, natural energy boost. And then you see like in fine print includes 85 milligrams of plant based caffeine and that can be fine, you know, I think that um, so current recommendations around caffeine um, for healthy adult most healthy adults quote unquote, you know that's used as the kind of benchmark um, is recommended about capping it at about four hundred milligrams per day. so that's equivalent to about four cups of you know drip coffee. Mm-hmm. but that said, a lot of uh, coffee. Companies do brew a stronger cup now. So if you go to Starbucks, you're looking at like, I think it's like an 180 milligrams in a yeah. grande drip yeah. coffee. But, you know, espresso, that's about 75 milligrams per shot of espresso. Um, just as a heads up too, like for pregnant women, the recommendation is about 200 milligrams max per day. Uh, I, you know, and in the book, I share my experience of um, when I was in my late 20s and like around age 30, I at that time I was drinking like eight cups of coffee a day, which is not good for anybody. Um, Even if you don't have any pre-existing medical conditions or health concerns, it's just too much coffee. And I was dealing with heart palpitations and sleep disruption. Of course, I was in denial. I was like, oh, it's stress. It's work stress. I'm stressed. And I go to the doctor and she says, well, how much coffee are you drinking? And it was like busted. And You know, there, it's, but I will say this coffee, we get addicted to it, you know, or caffeine in general. It's, um, a physical and also an emotional or behavioral addiction. And, you know, your sweet spot is going to be different from, you know, your best friend's sweet spot with caffeine. But I remember for myself, the goal was to get to that 400 milligrams. That was like my starting goal, even though my longer term goal was to get it closer to 200 or 100 milligrams a day. So, you know, I you can do a cold turkey approach when dialing down the caffeine. But, you know, if if another approach that I offer in the book is to, you know, start with small, small swaps, like switching your order from a meat from a large to a medium or from a medium to a small or starting with, you know, half decaf swapping out, you know, if you normally would have another cup of coffee in the afternoon, see how it feels to swap it out for an herbal tea because, you know. And I, I think I mentioned earlier about how we treat coffee as a social connector, you know, explore um the, you know, where that coffee or that caffeine source, where that fits in your life. Like why is it about the caffeine? Or is it more just you've become addicted to the caffeine because you condition yourself to take that coffee break? You can still take that break, just swap out something that's not going to contribute more caffeine than you need. Um And you also want to make sure that because when you're dealing with caffeine withdrawal, you're going to feel symptoms like yeah. I'm not going to lie, it is not always the most fun you are going to you might experience headaches you might experience some irritability some feeling foggy and tired but it does go away it does get better it's uh, and sometimes knowing that that's temporary can be a really great comfort but i have seen that people sometimes struggle with like, you know, aside from the low energy and feeling cranky, you know, I've also seen people struggle with um, food cravings, usually for sugar or very high energy foods. So planning ahead for that and making sure that your meals are providing a good balance of protein, fat and fiber to keep you full, that's going to make a really big difference. Also, uh, staying hydrated, that's also going to help you feel more alert, energized and for the food that you're eating, it's also going to help, um, you know, f- fiber that you're eating is going to help it help it to uh, do its job and keeping you full. Um, I, I don't need if you don't want to talk about biochemistry, I won't, <laughs> <laughs> I won't get into the, the nitty gritty gross stuff of like how that works. But um, making sure that your diet's on point and helping you feel energized and that you're hydrating um, adequately, those are two things that'll help. And exercise can also really help if you're dealing with that irritability and that low energy. And this other one is, I know it's not always realistic for, for us all the time, depending on what your work schedule is like. But if, you, if, you, however, whatever version of it works for you, planning around your natural energy ebbs and flows. And when, you know, if you are going to be continuing to have some caffeine, maybe being strategic about what times of day you're having it, or pl- if you do have the capability of planning out which projects or which activities you're going to be doing at different points in your day, you know, keeping in mind when you might be, um, when you might have the most or the least energy during that time.
1: I love that. And and again, one of the other things that I've found is, and it's it's so individualistic because I know there's people who have almost zero tolerance for for caffeine at all. Uh, I have a pretty low tolerance, so it doesn't you know I can't I can't have more than say two cups in the day, or I start to feel like again the heart palpitations or you know headaches from having too much coffee. Caffeine is tied so much to productivity. We think, oh well, if I want to be productive, I got to wake up, I got to have energy. That's where I so I'm going to go to coffee. That's my thing, but. You know, like you were saying questioning the the cue and reward uh and the routines even around why we are drinking that coffee and when we're drinking it and uh replacing it i've done the the whole i've done the the cold turkey it's not fun if i was going to do that again which in fact i know that i've been you know having more recently than i probably should uh caffeine wise but uh and I've been wondering why I've been stressed. So I think there's a cue there for sure. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but I think that, uh, I would definitely go with more of a tapering down, uh, instead of a, an altogether just cutting it out. And, and again, I love that you're, you're adding in, uh, the fiber, the fat, the protein and other things that give you energy to kind of counteract what's going to feel like a, um, you know, a a drag or a a drop in my energy levels from cutting out that, uh, substance caffeine.
2: Yeah. I'm not a fan of the, at least in my own life and with my clients, I've just found that the cold Turkey for a lot of people is just, a lot of people are likely to to give up or lose faith in themselves and white knuckling it. I'm just not a fan of the white knuckle approach. Like life is hard enough. If there are ways (laughs) that we can make it more easeful, like let's go for it.
1: Yeah. There's another no drama right there. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, cause it, I mean, in my experience, the cold turkey with getting off caffeine is like, well, welcome to one week of migraines almost, depending yes. upon how you do it. So
2: been there, done that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. So that is, uh, where, what I wanted to touch on. And again, it's a product, it's almost a productivity topic in and of itself with caffeine. Um, I wanted to then move from body over to spirit. And this is one, again, we don't talk a lot when it comes to productivity in and of itself, but it's very tied into productivity. It's having a loneliness game plan. And I bring that up because I work from home. And my only person here, I know you've got cats. I've got a dog. I think he's in the room, I can't tell his bed's over around the corner. He comes in and lays down when I'm busy, but he may have left the room. But anyway, that helps with loneliness. But, uh, for a lot of us, even if we're in a crowd or even if we're working at coffee shops, like we've got loneliness, uh, happening. And, you know, again, we don't really, it's one of those things where it kind of sneaks up on you. In my experience, yeah. you don't know that it's happening. It starts to happen and you wonder, why do I feel so off today? It's, oh, it's because I haven't had personal interaction with any human. It's, it's kind of like the, when, um, someone who's a parent in his home taking care of a child all day and then suddenly it was like, oh, you're here. I can have adult conversation now, you know, <laughs> that.
2: Exactly. And loneliness is one of the, it's a major public health issue. And it's interesting to me, because we're so aware of this as a culture, but I don't feel like we've figured out what to do about it yet. Um, you know, and I, I you know, often see advertisements for like, like dating apps and networking groups. And, you know, I think that we're starting to see more emphasis on finding ways to help people connect um, offline as well. But, you know, it's still, and I think there's also this idea that, only, only single people get lonely or, you know, only people who live and work alone get lonely. But like you said, like we can be in a crowd and feel lonely. Like we can, you know, I know even in my own life, you know, my partner can be like two feet away from me. But if I'm connected to a feeling that makes me feel lonely or is making me very aware of a, a loss or a lack, you know, that can still happen. And, you know, I think that uh, one thing I've seen in my work so much is that, you know, loneliness is one of those feelings that we feel so much dis-ease around it and we're not very well conditioned to deal with it. And so what what hap- happens very often is that we slip into unhealthy coping mechanisms when we feel lonely because we haven't really learned how, mm-hmm. how to deal with feeling lonely in a healthy way. Um, and I write about this in the book where you know in a few different places where you know we all have our different versions of those unhealthy coping mechanisms it's not always about food you know i joke about in mine like shopping has been a thing in the past and uh you know like the 1299 sports bras from old navy that i'm putting in my online shopping cart like it's kind of the emotional equivalent to a, a bag of m&ms from the vending machine you know and um only difference is that's returnable i guess but with with loneliness You know, I've seen it really derail a lot of people's efforts to stay on track towards a healthy living goal. So with it started as an experiment, you know, going back to the experiment phase and, you know, in my own life, I... I I had a summer where it was my first summer living away from home and I was I had a job and an internship and I was taking night classes and I was interacting with a fair number of people on a day to day basis. But I was I was away from my you know, what was familiar and I was I hadn't put down roots yet and I felt really lonely and I literally just wrote down a list one day of things that I could do when I was lonely and I found it so helpful and, you know, when I moved to New York a few years after that and, you know, going through different phases of of life where, you know, you're maybe relearning a new a new landscape, a new situation or just a new emotional landscape, even um, that technique I found very helpful. And I, I started using it as an experiment with some clients who were really struggling with loneliness. And I, I remembered how useful that technique had been. I said, well, hey, let's give this a try. Why don't you just write down you know, three or four things that you enjoy doing that when you start to feel lonely, that maybe instead of eating all the snack food that's in your apartment, you know, what if you try doing one of these activities instead and see if that works. And it was so successful that I've made it a regular part of my practice. And there's no like rule about what you're supposed to do. Um, you know, I I do share this in the book that I love uh, cleaning when I feel lonely. It's just for some reason, because um, I think for myself, one of the emotions that really uh, like rocks me to my core is not being able to solve a problem for someone or not being able to understand something. And so there's something very like soothing to my nervous system about cleaning and bringing order to like, you know, a drawer or whatever. But um But, you know, it doesn't mean that cleaning is going to be the right fit for everybody. You know, and I think that when you're making this list for your loneliness game plan of the things that you can do, make sure that they are things you actually enjoy doing that are actually going to feel restorative. So, you know, not things that you think like, oh, that sounds healthy. I should do that. Or that's that sounds productive. You know, I should do that. Because what happens is when we when we don't. you know, when we don't address our loneliness, when we try to shove it under the rug and push through it, or if we do fall back on, onto a, an unhealthy coping mechanism, that can really cause our productivity to take a hit because our mind is otherwise occupied and it's hard to focus on what we need to be focusing on.
1: Yeah. And it's it's a very, you know, almost elusive or, or lingering Feeling that's hard to to nail down. It it made me think of. Have you ever heard of Halt H A L T, which is an acronym for uh, hungry, angry, lonely, which ties in here, or tired?
2: I love that.
1: So this is one of them. I mean, loneliness is one of them, and you know, it's one of those things where it's like a self awareness kind of go to of you know, are you wait? I feel so down right now. Like, what's going on? I'm off. Oh well, wait. Am I hungry? am I angry? Am I lonely? Am I tired? All those things that kind of, you know, oh, I forgot to eat lunch or man, I've been dwelling on how angry I am. This is the third one, lonely and obviously tired. And, you know, and honestly, um, hungry and tired and I guess angry and even uh, all three, all four of these really tie into all different parts of your book in different ways. So,
2: yeah, I mean, hopefully you're not going to feel all four of those things at once. (laughs) No, no. Um, but you know, if you do you know start with the one that you can you know that feels most urgent to to address and start there
1: <laughs> yeah I, I and 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 this is something that you know again my friend I have a friend who who's like, yeah, once in a while I'm just i am off and I treat people like crap, and then I realize, oh crap, I am uh tired or I am hungry or I've been lonely <laughs> and so then it you know he he's able to to course correct, but it's it's one of those things where it's like. Uh, again, this is, this is almost one of those things where uh, it ties back into, folds back into, um, the setting aside the worried time. Like if you're checking in, uh, with yourself once a day to see what you're worrying about. This is where some of those symptoms, maybe not hungry because, you know, you probably can't go 20. You, you shouldn't probably go 24 hours without eating something. But <laughs> yeah. but the tired uh, or lonely, you know, a consistency of tiredness or loneliness or even angriness is going to probably rear its head in some thoughts and in feelings in that worry time. Right.
2: Absolutely. And. You know, taking a moment to just be mindful of what is going well and showing yourself because we, we do tend to focus on the negative. And I think that sometimes when you are doing that check in, um, it's also a great time to, you know, your work, you know, note the stuff that you're worrying, but then take a sec to acknowledge what's going well. And, you know, maybe jot down a couple of things that you feel good about. And sometimes in- infusing that little bit of positivity into the into the equation yeah. can m- help you reset your energy for the, for the day or help you, you know, as you're looking back on the day, maybe help you drift off to sleep a little more easily.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and so to go back to specifically loneliness, we're all different. We're all, uh, even, even extroverts experience loneliness. Uh, I'm, I'm an introvert, but I can pretend I'm not sometimes, but, uh, it it, it all comes down to what uniquely you need to be doing in order to, Make sure you're taking care of yourself, not just with loneliness, but with all the aspects of health. And that's why I really love uh, this book. And and I I mean, again, this is not a, you know, life hack type book. Uh, It's not even though it's called, you know, the little book of game changers, 50 healthy habits for managing stress and anxiety. In no way is this some kind of shortcut thing. In fact, this is almost uh, 50 experiments to try.
2: Yeah. You know, and I I do. You know, there is this also element like these are really simple, actionable tools, but you also have to want to do the work and to show up and be curious and explore and experiment. You know, no one can do that for you. But, you know, I, my hope is that people will find these tools really approachable and want to experiment with them.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I, I was excited to see, again, that I picked out specific topics that I thought really uh, – tie in with productivity in and of itself, or we're surprising to like, wait, what do you mean? That's a thing, you know, and, and or, or the opposite of a thing, like, wait, I didn't know that we were supposed to set a time, set aside time to worry, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, I, I really think this is a great book and I'd love for people to uh, go check it out. Is there any specific place you want to drive people to?
2: You know, um, the best place to find me, you know, my website is JessicaCordingNutrition.com, but I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at Jess Cording. And I also on Facebook can be found at Jessica Cording Nutrition. So uh, please feel free to connect with me on there. The awesome. book is available on Amazon.
1: Awesome. And I'll link up to all those places uh, in the show notes for this episode. And Jess, just thank you so much. This has been a great time talking with you. And uh, I've gotten a lot out of the book and I know everybody else is going to also.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, that's another podcast. Cross off your podcast listening to-do list. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jess Cording. I know I did. I was glad to pick out those kind of outlier kind of pieces from her book, but there's so much more in there. So make sure to go grab the book. You can find out more at JessicaCordingNutrition.com or just go to the link in the show notes for this episode at to do 3 slash three one one. And if you found this conversation helpful, I'd love for you to do me the favor of sharing it with somebody you know needs to hear it. Just hit the share button on whatever podcast player app of choice you're using right now. And thanks for sharing. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next episode.